This is the Faculty Focus Live podcast, and I'm your host, Tierney King. I'm here to bring you inspiration, energy, and creative strategies that you can utilize in your everyday teaching. This week's episode is sponsored by The Wellbeing Elixir, Magna's brand new wellness course for educators, where experts will help guide you through well-being and resilience. She's a pharmacy professor who's also a certified yoga teacher and wellness coach. He's a doctor of pharmacy who trains practicing pharmacists using mindfulness principles. Together, they have a decade of experience in the science of happiness and the benefits of practices that lead to less stress and more joy in your work and life. Today, I'm so excited to have Stuart Haynes and Sina Haynes, who are actually also the main presenters in our new Wellbeing Elixir course. So they're going to cover a few concepts and techniques that teachers can apply to their own lives and to their teaching pertaining to wellness, mindfulness, and mental health. So kind of start us off and just explain, you know, how you both became interested in the topic of mindfulness and wellness and what drew you to this lifestyle. So for me, um, I originally just share a little bit about myself and what led me to where I am today. I was originally pursuing a career as in diet, as a dietitian. And so I've always been very interested in lifestyle, lifestyle medicine and preventative medicine. And then following that, I pursued my degree or my doctorate in pharmacy. And after which I did residency training that landed me in ambulatory care practice, which is working with patients who have chronic disease or illness that's more lifelong. And I personally struggled with weight in the past. So I really honed in, in particular, in working with patients who struggled with obesity and knowing how that can adversely impact our health. So not just seeing that in the physical health, but also thinking about mental health, self-acceptance, self-compassion. So that's sort of, you know, bringing me into that space of positive psychology and well-being. that drove me to pursue becoming a board certified health and wellness coach and developing my own meditative practice over time really illuminated the power of mindfulness and meditation in particular which brought me into credentialing in mindfulness and meditative instruction. So really I have feel like I have come full circle from where my roots began, always focusing on lifestyle medicine and preventative health. And so I'm just excited to bring what I have learned and these experiences to others. Yeah. Like Sina, I am um, also an ambulatory care pharmacist trained to work with patients with chronic illness. And you might be wondering, like, why would a pharmacist be interested in, you know, mindfulness practices and positive psychology? But I always say medicines don't work unless people, A, take them and B, believe in them. And you got to have a belief in it to actually have them work. We understand the power of placebo. So our mind has such a tremendous impact in how we perceive the world. And so psychology, you know, is just as important as pharmacology when it becomes, you know, in terms of medications. Um, so I don't confine my interest into the physiological benefits of medications, but also the psychological benefits of healthcare delivery and our relationships with patients. Uh, so there's a number of factors that really work. Um, I'm responsible in our curriculum for a course called Personal and Professional Development. And I, I really focus on the personal development part of that because uh, we as people are what come to the table when we're taking care of patients. 
And so developing ourselves personally is really critical. And part of that is a lot of the things that we talk about in the well-being elixir course, which is mindfulness and, and noticing our automatic negative thoughts and many other things. And then lastly, kind of personally, I've been very interested in ancient wisdom traditions and done a lot of reading in that. And so things like Stoicism and Buddhism are and what these ancient traditions can teach us about leading a fulfilling and satisfying life. Very cool. And I mean, you guys cover a whole bunch of, you know, different techniques that you have probably researched and kind of dived into. And what's been most surprising about like a wellness or mindfulness technique that you didn't expect to be so helpful, but it just happened to be extremely helpful? Well, I I think so when we talk about mindfulness, we're talking about not only awareness of the here and now, uh, but also awareness of our thoughts, awareness of our emotions, uh, uh, having a curiosity about those things, being non-judgmental about those things, uh, having a receptivity to what's happening here and now. Um, and part of what makes that very powerful is once you become more aware of your thoughts and emotions, um, you can start to reframe them. You can take a pause, like you, you notice how you're reacting to something. And I think that's a very powerful, very powerful uh, thing to have and have an awareness of. Like we, we often aren't aware of our thoughts. We just have them. And we have certain reactions and learning to recognize those gives us an opportunity to, to reframe things. And we all have cognitive biases. Uh, one of the things that we talk about in, is in, in the course, but also if you do reading in this area, this is the amount of biases that we have, that these automatic negative thoughts that we have. Um, so I think that's one really powerful uh, thing. The other is um, taking micro moments throughout the day to um, just calm our minds, to take a few breaths, um, to say, I'm upset by something. I just need to take you know a little time out and to just let that emotion kind of be with it and let it you know move on um, rather than trying to push it away, uh, which is what we often try to do. So those would be two things that I I think are uh, unexpectedly helpful that I found. So given what Stuart shared with me, which I totally agree with, I I think a nice compliment to the mind is the body. And I found a practice of yoga back in 2016. So not too long ago. And I'll just say yoga is for everyone. Yoga is for everyone. I didn't (laughs) find it to my forties and I'm in my fifties now, but I had heard from a colleague that it could really help lower stress levels. But what I didn't realize is how super quickly it does that. This effect around my thoughts and emotions and stories in my head, like Stuart was talking about, was a noticeable difference. So after two years, I took that step to become certified to spread the mind-body connection to others, to know that the deep diaphragmic breath actually affects our vagus system or a vagus nerve, I should say, that permeates our entire nervous system, kicking in our parasympathetic side, which is very relaxing. So it calms us, it centers us, it helps ground us. So I think that yoga in particular is worth mentioning because of how nicely it complements being more mindful. And then the second element, which is relational, is just, again, this idea of being a believer and supporter of moving our bodies every day. And by experimenting, we can discover what can work best and lead to our sustained engagement. So for me, 
I have learned that I prefer group conditioning activities so that I'm not a go it alone kind of gal. And so the idea of doing CrossFit and yoga, all of these experiences also bring me another important human need, which is a sense of community. So there are things that we could be doing for our health and wellness that actually tie very well, even back to your own core values. That's awesome. I know a lot of people, you know, we, we have this mindset where we want to do yoga, but it's a little intimidating because I just envision everyone in class and everyone very good at it. And I'm just like, nope, I won't be that good. I'll be at the back of the classroom. Do you have any, you know, kind of tips on how to kind of jump forward and maybe start it? Well, can I interject here though? Yeah. Because I am not a yoga teacher. <laughs> I, I'm not one who's as physically active as my wife, but I do go to yoga. And he comes and, to uh, my class. <laughs> I do go to her class and it is for everyone. Um, and there's different styles of yoga too. So for those of you who don't understand yoga, there, there's many different styles of yoga and you may need to experiment with different styles to see which one that works for you. But I do the really gentle stuff and uh, I find it extremely helpful. So, but I'll let Cena respond a little bit more to this, but I just want to reiterate to folks, I'm a guy who's 60 years old. I didn't take this up until I was in my late fifties and I find it very, um, you know, very beneficial, very centering and, and not difficult to do, not difficult to do. Yeah, so at the cornerstone of yoga, as I mentioned, is really about breath and movement, anchoring your breath, knowing that that is the key and most critical piece, the asanas or poses are secondary. And so I think feeling safety where you're practicing and knowing that you're in the hands of someone who's credentialed to teach because part of teaching involves cueing for all levels. So knowing that you have options ways to take a pose here or there. And I think languaging to students to say, all of our bodies are different and nobody looks the same in a pose. There's no one way to do a pose. So creating that freedom so that you can have play and discovery on your mat makes for a much more rich experience and knowing that it's more about community and not social comparison. It's super helpful because, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are just they want to do it, but they're just a little intimidated about it. Um, and then kind of jumping into, you know, you use all these different techniques and what do you use most in your daily life and both in your daily life? And then what do you use most in the classroom? Yeah. So th there's a number of different things, but things that really I've found to be helpful and I do them most frequently would be journaling and writing and actually writing for our well-being elixir blog is part of that writing. Like I find it both therapeutic and I learn a lot from it and it helps to solidify and consolidate thoughts that I have and um, expressing them in writing is really, really very helpful. Of course, journaling is very helpful to process things like grief and emotions and troubling things in our lives. So for people who like to write, that's a, just a really great way to do that. And, I, and that's probably one of the most common things that I do. Another thing that we do, gratitude, which we talk about in the Wellbeing Elixir program, is another great uh, it's a, I call it a therapeutic superpower uh, because it's hard to, you know, express gratitude and think in grateful ways and be unhappy. <laughs> it, it's just an ingredient for happiness. And so uh, short little gratitude practices, again, journaling is a way to do it. But for us, we, we, uh, we say a little prayer before dinner. So thanks, you know, giving thanks for the things that we have. 
is really important. And so taking that short little pause is a, another way of expressing gratitude each day to remember that there are things that, that you should be grateful for, that I am grateful for, not that I should, but I am. Um, and lastly, is we um, taking some pauses, some breaks on a regular interval. So Cena and I, we got some hammocks last year and we go out and we take a break on Sunday afternoon. We put up the hammocks in the park and we just relax and do nothing. Maybe read a little bit, take a little nap, but it's just a time to reset. And I think we all need those. In years past, we all had a Sabbath, you know, and we used to take Sundays off. And for many people who still have religious practices, uh, Sunday or a Sabbath is really critical to their, their lifestyle. But so many of us have gotten away from that. And I think it's really important to have a, a brief respite from life every week. Oh, and you asked about in class. So I do a brief mindfulness activity at the beginning of class just to recenter us, bring us to the present moment, pay attention to what's happening here and now. I think many students really like it. Some are a little curious about it, like, what the heck is this all about? Um, but it gets them more interested. In, and we do talk about the benefits of mindfulness or meditative practices to bring more mindfulness into our lives. For me, I think, um, as Stuart's mentioned some great examples. So to add to that, I would say the types of exercise I mentioned for me provides a little bit of what I think we're missing in our society as adults, which is play. I would like to have more in my life. I think I can always do better in that regard, but I do see some of what I've decided to do, my choice, my selection brings me some play. I would add that words have power. They affect our emotions, our thoughts, and the stories that we tell ourselves. So I use uh, music to help me in that regard because it can uplift me. It helps me release frustrations. I may laugh. I may cry. It's sort of that full spectrum of emotions. And so I utilize that as a tool for myself and for students. Uh, Stuart mentioned the gratitude aspect. I would add for me one particular area I'm working on in case helpful to others is this idea of being grateful for setbacks, being grateful for failure, being grateful for the difficulties, because for me, I'll just say it, it is definitely has been a challenge. And if I can put my mindset towards that, to know that there's value and lessons to be learned than taking my mindset in a different direction about those setbacks. For students, I would add a couple other quick um, examples, bringing yoga and meditation, as Stuart mentioned to them, but having book clubs, a newsletter I work with students to put out called The Remedy for their peers, bringing in speakers, offering peer support, and mental health training definitely rise up on um, some critical and valuable experiences for them. And you kind of talked about, you know, these, these setbacks. And so, you know, it's the new year for 2022 and we're all making our, our goals and our resolutions. And I think the hardest part is, you know, you encounter these setbacks and then you have to keep holding yourself accountable. Um, so what, you know, tips do you have for individuals for holding yourself accountable and consistently practicing these techniques despite these setbacks and then, you know, consistently practicing them throughout the year and then years forward. So I think some tips for 2022 can be things like setting a daily intention for some, it might be reading and looking at a mantra 
I feel that this ties again back to our core values, which I consider to be the heartbeat of our why, which is just so empowering. I think exploring our belief system, this idea of whether or not you believe change is possible because mindset matters. I think if you're like me, you might like to get engaged where you have an accountability partner or opportunity for group conditioning, adding more play so that it doesn't seem like labor or something like, I really don't want to do it, but I know I have to do it. It's fun, right? We bring fun into our lives. And I would say one more element is how much the environment matters. So be on the lookout for things that might cause us to step back instead of stepping forward. This aspect around social contagion, that we tend to pick up the behaviors of others. And that can be, again, more to our detriment than helping us move towards things that sustain our happiness. So look for role models who can inspire you to to show you what's possible when you show up and do the work. That 1% gain is so incremental over time. And feeding your mind with the wisdom that can be shared by others through courses like this, being able to visit with us, spending time reading books and podcasts. There's just a wealth of resources and data that can really help guide us and set our course in the right direction. Yeah. So there's a few things that I I think can help people kind of keep on track. And one is to track things, right? Uh, There's a little dopamine hit we get when we are able to click off that we did something and then we're staying on track. Like for my journal, like day one journal, they have a little tracker, like how many days in a row have you actually made that journal entry? Same thing could be the, how many days in a row did you go do the CrossFit or, or tracking your exercises and what you actually did. So tracking can be helpful for many. Now, some people can get really tied up into it and then, and, and then, and then the tracking becomes the goal. You don't want that to happen, but just the, uh, the idea that you take a notebook or a digital app of some port, some sort and give yourself feedback about your progress and your staying on track can be helpful. Um, I think one thing that happens is that when you slip off and, and you don't do it one day is then you kind of get, you can, because of your automatic negative thoughts, say to yourself, oh, well, I've messed up and therefore I'm going to give up. And I think that's where some self-compassion comes in is like, yeah, you're going to slip up. There are going to be times that you just didn't get to it or you didn't feel like it. Give yourself some grace, let yourself off the hook, and tomorrow's another day. So um, I think getting kind of back into the swing again, remind yourself this is where your mantra, your intention comes in, reminding yourself of why you want to do it, and also recognizing that these are it's going to happen. And then lastly, I think along the lines of having role models and other people who can kind of guide you is, is potentially hiring a coach. Like, so there's some accountability there and coaches know exactly, they have a good set of tools to help guide you and keep you on track and remind you of things. And sometimes they can point out blind spots that you didn't recognize in your own self. So a health and wellness coach like my wife would be great. Uh, But there are plenty of other kind of coaches that you could consider hiring. And it's really in vogue now to hire a coach. So, yeah, I think that's a great idea. I mean, sometimes we put too much pressure on ourselves and think that, you know, we have to have all these empowering thoughts all the time and have the right tools and be able to do this ourselves. And sometimes, you know, you just need that assistance. We don't have all the tools all the time. 
And then kind of lastly, you guys have worked really hard on this well-being elixir course. What are you most excited about? What what do you hope that people, you know, viewing it and taking this course gain most from it? Well, I hope it's a time for uh, self-exploration and self-reflection for people that they can set aside some time for contemplation. In the course, we talk about different life domains, and most of us don't spend enough time just taking some time out and contemplating some things or thinking about our life values. Um, and that's really important because that give, that's part of our motivation, our drive to do certain things that we really want to do is being clear about those things and reaffirming ourselves in those areas. So I would say, yeah, I, what I hope is people use this as an opportunity for self-reflection um, and being clear about what's most important for them in their life and then taking deliberate action towards those things. So I would say, uh, first and foremost, getting to collaborate with Stuart um, because of the importance of having this level of, of even intimacy with him is this shared passion, which is a value of mine. So this definitely meets that. And I would say being with fellow academicians across disciplines and institutions, which is another aspect of connection and this community of shared learning. So sharing resources and the evidence that supports it discussing principles like mindset, emotional agility, the power of connection, designing these activities to help them apply concepts shared and encouraging experimentation, the TSN, can you try something new? And then sharing just valuable life lessons with one another, this peer element of a lived experience, a shared lived experience through peer-to-peer -peer discussions and the online discussion board and the monthly live webinars. I'm just jazzed and excited and energized to have that experience with others. Whether you're driving to work or you just need a 15-minute think session, we hope the Faculty Focus Live podcast will inspire your teaching and offer ideas that you can integrate into your own course. For more information on the resources included in this episode, please check out the links provided in the episode description.